0: What is going on, guys? My name is Dimitri and welcome to the Rise Productive Podcast. In today's episode, we have a guest, Casey Burns. He's a personal finance YouTuber and I'm really excited to have him on the show. So get ready for episode six of the Rise Productive Podcast. Hey, Casey, what's up?
1: What's up, man? How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. We had some uh, technical issues leading into this. That was uh, quite the fun time, yeah, was, wasn't
1: it? It's was a good good 45 minute journey, but you know, it's, it's the journey to the top has many bumps that most people don't see.
0: Yeah, you got to do what you got to do there. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to get it started off like I do with all my podcast episodes, talking a little bit about what your life is like, uh, where you come from and all that kind of stuff.
1: Okay. Uh, so what my life is like, um, I would say that my, my life is, uh, you know, is interesting. I actually just did a, a video with my parents about like kind of how that, that uh, formation of my life was. It's it, It's it been a, a series of, of very hard work, you know, And, um, it's kind of, it's kind of weird for me to answer that question just because I don't, I don't really define my life in one direction. I've done like army stuff. I've done, you know, work in the hospital. I've done, you know, the side hustles, YouTube. It's just always been one constant hustle for me. Like when I was a kid, I, I would like grab, you know, a ton of Halloween candy and just like try to sell it on the recess, you know, (laughs) like to sell it during recess. It's just always been like this weird hustle that my parents, uh, yesterday talking to them that, you know, they had, they had the, uh, the, uh, blessing to like, just watch it unfold. But I've just always been like, ah, just like stuff do, 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 and just very active, you know, kid and now adult. So that, I guess that's, uh, that's, that's kind of my synopsis of the, you know, that answer to that question.
0: So what exactly do you do for a living? Just so to let the people know.
1: If, yeah. So my job right now, my, my W2 uh, says LabCorp on it, <laughs> so I do that. I also uh, work for the Army Reserves, so you know, probably probably like fifty percent of my income comes from LabCorp. probably like 10, 15 comes from uh, Army Reserves, and then everything else is just like little little side hustles and stuff like that on the side. so mo- mostly, if I, like if I had to just straightforward answer that question, I would say, you know, LabCorp is uh, what I do. I work in a microbiology lab and. We're we're testing for the disease currently, so it, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: Every, uh, yeah, kind of a crazy time to be a lab tech.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Um, I guess a good question I could think about for you would be like, how how has the military sort of impacted your life and the outlook on um work and finances and that sort of thing?
1: So, what the military really taught me was it was is, is a big thing of of mindset more so than you know they say if 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 you want to go into the military it shouldn't be for you know the financial rewards because yeah. i think the biggest rewards that people see through the military are you know the shift in mindset that you can go through a lot more stuff that than you ever thought was imaginable like you know being in those field problems or being in you know uh, even even like the simplest training like basic training like most that would that's like uh something that in the military we don't even really talk about it but like that's that's like a uh, something that would break a lot of, and does break a lot of civilians. Um, you go through that stuff, you go through being in the field for 30 days. And, uh, what I'm getting at with all this is that you realize that, um, you know, through your, your deployments and all this stuff that you don't need, uh, everything that you feel like felt like you need, you know, you're off in these third world countries and you see what they have, how they're living. And you realize how much, you know, have privileged, uh, of a life you're you're living, uh, so as far as far as that it just it, it made me realize like i could be working harder things could be worse and i don't need nearly as much as you know what we think we need uh, to get by and to be happy
0: yeah that makes sense i was always told by people who have like gone through basic training that it's like actually really kind of hard and it is a breaking point for a lot of people because uh, you guys, obviously you're not allowed sort of pretty much anything for like what, 30, 60 days.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a nine week,
0: it's nine a, or 10 well, week
1: training. When I went ten, through, eight, it was, it was, uh, was it 10 weeks or nine weeks? I don't know. I went through it in 2012. So it was, it was a while ago. I think it was, There's three phases. There's a red phase, the blue phase and a white phase. So red phase, you get in there, the drill starts are right in your face. Like, uh, you know, that, that stuff that you see on the movies, uh, which was crazy to go through. And, uh it just kind of snaps that civilian right out of you, you know, like all those, you know, like, Oh, I'll, you know, just, just little notions that you have when you get there, like, I'll, I'll kind of do this on my own time. And like, if I'm late, that's okay. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, there's no, there's no late. There's no, you know, none of that, none of that stuff. There's no BS. There's no like, Oh, if I mess something up, um, you know, it was somebody else's fault. There's a lot of ownership. There's a lot of like, you're going to make your bed. You're going to do it this way. It's, it's a very regimented and it, it, it pounds that into you
0: yeah i'm guessing the discipline that you have for yourself now is even a, a higher level than it might have used like might have been before um yeah that's definitely the main thing i always hear from people who've gone and had any sort of military experience they feel like their discipline is just i mean massively improved when they come out of it or well they're still in it but yeah i uh do know that your education expenses get helped out when you go into the military. Does, when you're in the army reserves, does that also happen?
1: Yeah. So I I would say, um, that is not a bad deal, but this is just my personal experience and people will see that I'm not, I'm not sitting here recruiting for the army reserves. Hmm. If you're going in for the education expense, the return on your time, um, is, is going to be better elsewhere, like applying for scholarships or something. Okay. So they, they did help me with my school but as far as like the time commitment that you're giving up for that school, you're giving up eight years of your life. You could, you know, you could potentially, yeah, you could potentially work a job and pay for your school. So if it's like, Oh, I want to pay for school, you know, then there's, there's other ways to just pay for school. But if you want to actually be in the military, like people ask me all the time, should I go be an army officer? And I'm like, Why do you want to be an army officer? You know, we need to we need to talk about that first before you're like, oh, well, I heard the GI Bill is going to, you know, help my school out. And like, how much money is that really? Like, what's what is what is you being an army officer for eight years worth if you don't actually want to be an army officer? Yeah, that's a lot of waste of time. Yeah, exactly. If if you're not in it for the right reasons, that's, you know, it's not the move.
0: That's the move, not the move. So speaking of personal finance, Casey is actually a personal finance YouTuber, as I said, and I wanted to talk to him a little bit about how he was introduced into that sort of realm of personal finance. I have my own story, but I'm sure all of you want to know about Casey's.
1: Okay. Yeah. So my, my story basically started, um, man, I was, I was like, I was down and out at the end of, uh, my college career. I ran track in college, but. What basically had happened was I, I picked up this night job. I was trying to run my fifth year of uh, senior year, picked up this night job and it was stressing me out. Couldn't, couldn't hack it. And so I was like, you know, I either got to, got to quit this job um, or I got to quit school and track. Cause I was, I was just running a fifth year at track. Yeah. Ended up quitting the job because I was, I was, man, I was going through it at the time. But um, anyways, I, all of a sudden I had all this extra time on my hands. So I was like, looked up how to make money online and, I don't know exactly whose videos I came upon, but it directed me over to YouTube. Eventually, I found people like Graham Stephan. I found people like, you know, Meet Kevin, all these people online, Dave Ramsey. Um, and, you know, you just video after video, related after related, you just start to learn so much that it's like, wow, there's this is a whole new world that's been opened up to me, especially with me coming from my background. I didn't have the worst financial education, but a lot of this stuff, you know, I had to learn. On my own, essentially, so that's kind of how I got started, and that that tracked me through things like Uber that tracked me through things like uh, eventually Airbnb and just like all these different sources of income that you could bring in on top of your job and how that kind of ensures your safety of income like you know not not to like uh, diminish people's struggle during this time right now, but besides just like the the, the uh, emotional like by feeling it vicariously through others, I'm not really financially struggling through this because there's so many ways for me to draw income that I started three years ago. Um, which, yeah, ob- obviously there's the empathy there and I, and I see what's going on politically and socially, um, racially lately, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> but, um, anyways, yeah. there's, there's a lot of places for me to, to draw. Um, so anyways, that, that, that's kind of the answer to that question.
0: I definitely do th- agree with you on how like with everything going on and there kind of is a situation where yes, I do genuinely feel like it's it's difficult for a lot of people who had like one source of income going into it. But I, it'll hopefully be an eye opener going forward that you can't rely on like one source of income, especially that's not like
1: not yours. Proof.
0: Yeah, yeah, that too. That too. I agree with that. It's if it's not yours, but even people who had businesses that were like, only in-person physical products. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Speaking of Graham Stephan, do you remember he had that millennial money episode with the person who cuts hair in Detroit? Right, yes. yes. He has an entire product line outside of him, like him cutting hair. So he probably still had some income coming in like during this right. time. But a lot of people who cut hair and that kind of stuff, they don't have any sort of second um, income coming in. So the second everything got shut down, they're really not in a good spot so i'm glad that you you know fell down the rabbit hole um pretty early in life and i have too and and i'm trying to find different ways to make income i've done some like um freelance stuff during the school year and i i'm always so busy and it's really hard to but i hope people realize after this that they got to find a way to like diversify their income at least a little bit because if this happens again and you don't have a diversified income or some sort of online income that, I mean, like that sucks, but you kind of had like a, a pretty big warning with everything going on.
1: Yeah. And I, li- I like that comment of, uh, falling down the rabbit hole because what I noticed and what I, what I was trying to uh, communicate with, with your first question of how did you come into the per- personal finance world is that falling down the rabbit hole, it was, it was a, a product of me breaking up my habits. You know, I had a huge breakup happen at that time. I stopped running track. Um, I was still working my night job. I had a ton of free time. When something like an event like that happens in people's lives, you're about to fall down the rabbit hole. And which one you fall down, that that's, a, that's huge. And I, I'm very grateful. You know, you could call it lucky, you could call it divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. I was very lucky that I fell down the rabbit hole that led to people like Graham and people like, you know, Kevin, people like Dave Ramsey that said, Hey, this is how you get your life on the straight and narrow. So I think that this, this uh, breakup of people's habits societally with with the disease is is a potential blessing for a lot of people because everyone's habits got broken up. You can't go to the bar. You can't, you know, you can't, you couldn't go to certain restaurants. You couldn't take your normal path through life. And where you fall down that rabbit hole, I feel like is going to be, it's going to be huge uh, moving forward here.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I definitely have been talking about on my channel, a lot of like uh, a a lot about how, you know, you have all this extra free time and what are you going to do with it? Could you just sit around and watch Netflix? Yes. was that pretty fun? Yeah. But people definitely need to take the time and fall down the right rabbit hole. And my last podcast, I talked with my guest about, uh, mindfulness and how we don't really do that much. And instead we usually just consume content, right? And mattering on what kind of content you consume you can really go into the right or wrong direction you you understand how easy it is to like be on youtube and whether it's on a uh just some random video you feel like you click on something that's outside of the niche that you're currently watching and you watch through it and then youtube recommends all of that stuff like yeah something
1: similar to it yeah or or even
0: the same youtuber a million times even though it's not you know something you're crazy into. You just kind of watched, and you're you're just getting thrown all this content. And if that's some sort of negative thing, or it's something that's just not productive, or anything like that, like for for example, I used to watch Chris Move. uh, He was uh, oh, a oh dude, lead. I loved him. Dude, he's so <laughs> good. But uh, I I looked him up again after like years. He's a 2K YouTuber. Used to play COD a lot. Uh, for those of you that don't know, and I watched one 2K video. My entire recommended feed now is Chris Move, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3, and Black Ops videos from 10 years ago. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, I watched yeah. one <laughs> video, YouTube, like, I-, I know I like Chris Move, but this isn't even the same account I used when I was a kid. So that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. So the rabbit hole really... <laughs> yeah, he just... I don't get it. The rabbit hole really doesn't um, stay consistent unless you stay consistent with it. Because I've yeah. watched infinitely more self-development videos and personal finance videos than the one Chris Move video I watched. And the next thing you know, just everything gets shifted. So I really do feel you when you say that when life changes happen, you really need to fall down the right rabbit hole. Because myself personally, uh, early in college, I ended up getting a lot of free time and I stopped being a socialist. I was. And instead of like doing positive things with it about like the first want to say like freshman, sophomore year, a little bit junior, like I just had a massive like World of Warcraft addiction. Yeah. And then the second I stopped doing it, I somehow like 180, you know, so it's, it's not something that can be, it doesn't have to be your life story. It it could just be a chapter of your life. And like Casey said, with like, he fell down the right rabbit hole. If he didn't, he very well, he very well might be in a different situation with the um, thing going on right now. And I think that's something to always think about when You know, you, you kind of hold yourself accountable for the decision you make in your life because consistent decisions and habits of even the content you consume can really, um, lead to your life successes.
1: Right. Exactly. Just as easily I could have, you know, I had friends that were, you know, huge into the party scene and they fell right into the addiction rabbit hole and I could, I could be right there with them today and I wouldn't be here. And I, you know, instead I, I fell into the hands of a lot of people who are honestly, you know, if we're if we're being totally honest with it, they're they're addicted to success. You know, it's it's the same addiction. It's just a lot better of an outcome. You know, in in my personal opinion, I mean, if you want to, yeah, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> if, I, you, if you want if you want
1: a party, then you know, you do you. But I, I, yeah, that's not. It's it's not where I'm I'm at in life right now. So,
0: I think uh, there's a lot to be said about the whole like party scene in college, and and that is really fun when you're in it. Um, Yeah. But I don't know how many people and I'm not speaking for everyone on this because a lot of people do look back on those memories fondly especially if they do the right balance of it but a lot of those people who end up being the person that party the entirety of the time they're in college from what I've heard at least end up saying one of two things either one it was really fun or two i don't remember much of it yeah <laughs> so so i'm like i'm sitting over here like okay if there's a chance i'm not going to remember the majority of what i'm doing like why would I waste my time on yeah, that thing? Like it was so fun.
1: It, it, it,
0: was it though? Because you don't <laughs> <Was remember. it>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would much rather be in a better financial situation, have better mental health, because I feel like when you party all the time, maybe you're just kind of putting off some of the mental health stuff. And I'm not saying people don't put off mental health stuff or their personal issues just through partying. People do it through a lot of different vices in their life. I was doing it through video games, I understand. I'm just trying to make the point that like, I don't go to parties all the time because is it fun to hang out with people I enjoy? Yeah. But doing it excessively is it, I don't really see the benefit.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's gotta be that balance there.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that tangent happened, but I I actually like that one. That's something I'm passionate about. I don't really talk about much. Um, Yeah, for sure. I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, I spoke with Casey before, uh, on this, but I think it's a good thing. To go on from how we're talking about the rabbit hole and falling down the right rabbit hole, tell us a little bit about how your like consumer culture and your family was growing up because I'm sure that's probably you change your opinions changed since you were younger.
1: Yeah, so what I would say is um so to, to give give a little context on like my family where we came from, we came from not not me personally, but my my parents came from like a really bad neighborhood, mm-hmm. so like they didn't, they didn't come from money. So they ended up coming into very high incomes. Um, and basically through, through watching them bump their head, I learned a little bit more about, you know, my financial education. So I don't, I don't want to bash my parents as no. far as like, you know, their, their, con- their consumption. Uh, Cause they did, they did everything that they learned. I learned at this. you know, at the age that they were and at the age that I was. So when they first came into money, they were just like, oh my goodness, like you know, they just you just threw, you know, two two hundred and fifty thousand dollars at them and they're you know, it was a little bit more like uh, you know, let, let let's spend it. Um mm-hmm. we, there wasn't as much investing. I mean, there was investing, like don't don't get me wrong, they're they're worth like multiple millions of dollars now. Like uh they they sorted it out, but um <laughs> more I guess more so I had to take some personal accountability there that like every time that I would save up to earn something. It was so that I could go buy something. Oh. And, uh, so like there was, there was kind of a, a little bit of an emphasis on savings, but there was, it was more like I'm saving to go buy a thing. Uh, so I never, I never personally made that connection. You know, my parents were investing, but I think that one thing that I would have appreciated from them, which, you know, they, they, I love my parents. They did a great job. Um, but one thing I would have appreciated was having a custodial account. Um, okay. because then, then I would have made that connection of like, Oh, you know, this is a, this is a dividend. Like what, you know, like what, what is, you know, why am I getting paid just because I had money, you know, that, that didn't, I didn't make that connection. And, uh, one last thing on that, as far as like the consumer culture is that, you know, when it comes to building generational wealth, a lot of people just think that it's the money that one generation transfers to another, but. Another component of that is the knowledge that one generation transfers to another. So the knowledge that was transferred to my parents was, you know, I'm gonna, you know, like not, not be a high school graduate. Mm -hmm. What's, you know, that was, that was my, my grandparents, you know, they're, they're working, you know, railroads. And obviously if you go back far enough in black culture, you run into some, some dark times, (laughs) just say that, but like, that that was the that was the generational wealth that was transferred to them, and then what they're transferring to me, is significantly more. And then you know moving forward, uh, just as far as the information, uh, there there will be more. So that's that's kind of roundabout way, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of where that mindset came from. And I had to make a little bit of a shift to say like, okay, what what is an investor? You know, does an investor just buy a house, or do they buy also they also buy stocks, and do they also have different types of portfolios. Do they buy land? Do they have, you know, oil stores, things like that, commodities, gold, you know, there there really wasn't any of that in our household. So if I, I, I would give my parents a B plus cause they made it to be a multi multi-millionaires, <laughs> but you know, I wouldn't give them an A quite, like, let's just say that. That's fine.
0: <laughs> a little B plus. Um, yeah. I can definitely completely understand where you're coming from with the genera- generational wealth type thing, because um, for my grandparents, uh, who were, they were very frugal, right? They're very frugal. And I'd say moving forward with that, then like with my parents' generation, they ended up using that part and then expanding on it. Like kind of how you're doing with the sort of, um, uh, fiscal responsibility that goes beyond just like save your money. It goes into diversifying your income. It goes into, um having stocks that pay dividends it goes into having a bunch of different investments and having a very diverse portfolio overall and then for me they did a good job my dad did a good job specifically um of making those things clear because of what he does for a living uh, so i feel like it's hard probably for each generation to know without like doing some real reflection of like hopefully each generation is telling the next generation something more than the previous had known and and in, in most cases I'd say they do a pretty decent job if they're on the track towards success. But there are some situations where man, like trust fund kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always heard yeah. from my family that like third generation businesses fail, like the third generation in a business usually fails. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard that.
1: Yeah. So I, I was actually, I just, well, I, I've already mentioned this, I think within this podcast, but I I was just filming with my parents yeah. because we wanted to talk about like, you know, I wanted to talk about what, what makes a, a financially responsible kid. And I was like, I'm not going to go on, on, you know, my channel and say that cause I don't have kids. So like, who's going yeah, to be like, who's going to believe me, even though like, obviously I I had parents. So like, maybe I, I know from the other side, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, one thing that was very important in our household that was that we had to work for everything. Like we actually had a payroll that had like, you had like things that you could get paid for the dollar amount, like, Cutting the grass was like $15. And that grass, oh, we had, we had five acres of property. So I was making like three bucks an hour, oh. you know? And uh, <laughs> like, so if I wanted, if I wanted school clothes, I worked. If I wanted to not get taxed. So they had a tax column. If I wanted to not get taxed, I couldn't have things like food in the room. I couldn't, you know, there were certain things in the house that I couldn't do. And I could go negative for the month. I could that's go negative. Awesome. I could, I could owe them money. So it, it built good habits and it, it like made me work. So one of the things that they were like, it was very important was that, you know, a lot of kids, how they get money from their parents is they walk up to their parents and they say, Hey, parents, you know, can I have some money? And that's, that's like the way that, that, that behaviors and habits happen. Like you do that, you get the money. It's like pull, pull stream, get cookie. All right. That's how you get money. You, you walk up to mom and dad, you get the money. I did that. And it was like, they put a they put a rake in my hand,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: so it's like oh so I work and then I get money. So that's that's like how my mind was formed. Like okay, this is how you get money, and then if you do bad things, then you get less money. So that that's that really was kind of how they, yeah. So
0: I uh, give them props for that. I you know that's a really good idea. Might have to keep that yeah. one in
1: the back of my mind for later. Yeah, for I'm sure. Just in yeah. case when those kids stop start popping up.
0: <laughs> yeah geez i as yes, um, they do i i was given i was never given any sort of tax or anything uh i generally never asked my money for parents or money for parents my parents for money and i guess i did get paid for cutting the grass and doing some chores so like i understand that but i really like the idea of the tax part because it's it's got to be hard for parents to like try to teach their kids to, to keep up the basic things like keeping your room clean, uh, keeping your bed clean, keeping food out of your room. I think we just had a lot of general rules that were like, you know, don't eat outside of the kitchen and that kind of kind of stuff. And we just kind of stuck to it. So, uh, there's a whole rabbit hole of, um, parenting advice that I, I really can't give. So I'm not going to get down into that. Yeah. You might, you might want
1: to do the same, like the kind of the same episode, you know, with your parents, you might yeah. learn something. Cause I learned yeah. a lot from from like j- them just explaining what they did things that i had forgotten that they did and why they did them i was like oh so like that it kind of like i was it was it was habit affirming i was like oh so this is where my habits come from like because you guys did these things when i was younger like that's why i think the way that i think
0: that's interesting yeah I, it was I, it was crazy <laughs> i i want to try it out uh there was a comment on one of my podcasts saying you know like put your parents on the podcast. I think it actually ha- has happened a couple of times. And I was like, yeah, I think, you know, maybe I'll eventually do that. Uh, but I definitely should try it out. I'll probably get some insights that I didn't have before. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, about being debt-free um, at such a young age because you did go to college. You did a lot of things to keep the debt down as much as you could. But inevitably, as I think you told me, you know, you, you came out with a little bit of debt. Is that
1: right? Yeah, I came out with... Uh... A lot, a lot of debt overall, but mostly it was because of a stupid car purchase. So I had oh, yeah, about thirty-seven. Time. Yeah, I had a had a thirty-seven k. My, my mindset was like, oh, I'm making money now. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that nice car that I've always wanted. Got the nice car. The car was nice. It was a it was a 2017 Toyota Tacoma, and uh, I, you know, I had speakers in it. It was great. it was, it was a fun time for about six months until I started uh, watching Dave Ramsey, and you know what he told me to do. Sell the car. I was like, (laughs) "All right, Dave, sell the car." And it's funny, like the people who don't call that that also end up selling the car. uh, That was that was one of me. I was one of those, but I ended up with about ninety k in total debt, and ended up cutting that down by just like selling into a a less expensive car, and uh, was able to pay off ninety thousand dollars in debt within uh, it was last month. So all the the debt mounted at uh, January twenty eighteen. So that's Basically, what's what's that like? Two years, four months. That's was really able to pay fast. Up. Yeah, so paid paid that off, and then because I was because I was also investing in my four hundred one k, ended up at like forty k net worth, uh, you know, today. So ended up increasing my net worth by what's that one hundred thirty k in two years and some odd months, five months. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, it was it was just a lot of commitment and like. It was a lifestyle change and then eventually it wasn't even commitment it was just like this is just it was just habit at at that point like i don't i'm not strained you don't strain to like do certain things that you do like you know like strain to tie your shoes or something it just became a habit
0: that's uh a really inspiring story honestly because i know a lot of people probably come out of school with a similar amount of debt now the college expense um, level is so more it's so significant in comparison to previous generations. Like let's be real here. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think in Illinois tuition for the university of Illinois, which is the main university here. Um, it's like 35 K a year. Yeah. Like what? Oh, yeah. And nobody gets scholarships because it's a state school. And I'm just like that, that for some States, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and it, there's even a disparity in States. I think at this point, because um, you're from Washington, right? Wait. Uh, the next state over, Oregon, I think their in-state tuition is like 20K, maybe, like with board. <clears throat> and I'm just like, there's a 15K K year disparity between states now. Isn't that crazy? So some people yeah. have uh, less of a chance for even in-state tuition and bailing them out in a way to make school easier on them. Yeah. And even if the school's good, like they're going to be put in a spot that maybe you were in where even though you were an athlete and you, you hustled and stuff, you still came out of school with a fair amount of debt and it's really hard to get out of. But the fact that you were able to just take really strong habits and make it so that you would be out of it in two and like a half years, pretty much. Um, that's, that's really quick because a lot of people have
1: it for years and years and years. Yeah. Like, like 10 years. So, yeah, I was actually just, or two things. I was actually just talking to somebody. Uh, they had, they had like 60k in debt, and um, you know, they were like, "Oh, I'm I'm putting like, you know, 600 towards it every month," and I was like, "Okay, so that's 100 months," hmm. and then, like, so that's eight point three three years. Like, you're 29 years old. That's what that's that's, that's 37. You know, it'd be you'll be 37 or 38. It's a lot of time. It's a lot, <laughs> I was lot like, of time. So I I was like, I, I don't, I, I didn't even finish. I was like, I'm not going to like, I'm not prescribing anything. I'm just saying it's 37 years old. We're talking about, and it's like, you want to buy a house at some point? Like you want to, you know, and, and do you want to have the house while you're still in debt? And it's like, I don't know that, that sense of urgency, but then also, um, is also going to say that um, I think the thing that's, to you know, I don't want special or whatever. The thing that's the thing that I think should be inspiring about my story is that I didn't do any, I didn't have a super high income. I didn't do, I didn't have any high income producing skills. Like my job, if I didn't pay, if I didn't work any overtime, um, the job itself was only $23 an hour. It oh, was, wow. it was the things outside of that. It was the fact that I worked on the weekends. It was the fact that I worked after work, you know, doing Uber. It was the fact that, whenever i would you know go away for any any given time i would rent my house on airbnb from underneath myself it was those oh, little wow. things that like just the the relentless pursuit of like i'm going to get there i'm going to get there like somebody hits me up text, hey what are you doing today i'm i'm getting i'm getting my p- debt paid off you know <laughs> which like hey you know say what you will about that as far as like a lifestyle choice and people don't have to do that i don't expect that from people but to see that it is possible in You know, I'm not like an insane person, but you know, like it's, it's possible and you get through it and you're on the other side and you're better off for it. So.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of that with people is, especially when they hear initially like I'm going to be in debt for 10 years. um, Yeah. Something so to the 8.3 year number. Um, The initial thought by a lot of people is like, that's going to be the case. They don't really think to that next step of, Oh, well I could pay it off quicker. I don't need to pay my minimum. Like, It could be off much quicker, but the problem is they weren't willing to do things. Like what you're saying is, I don't want to say it's extraordinary in the sense that like nobody could do it, but it's extraordinary in the habit building that you made for yourself and the habits that you chose to have, because for some reason, it seems like a lot of people are willing to put that debt and that stress on themselves for such a long period of time, while at the same time doing a bunch of stuff that isn't going to lead them to pay it off quicker. Like it's weird to me, you know, like if if the debt is really stressing you out that much, yeah, I think you'd want to kind of just take a two and a half year, very strict approach on yourself. And then now you're in a situation where you're in your mid early twenties and you're like, Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm on the upswing rather than yeah. people who are worried. Like you saying, someone's going to worry about like wanted to buy a house at 37 because they're like just finishing off their debt. That's real for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what I feel like, that's what depresses people like, and, and it, it's very fatalistic. It's like somebody got to be very careful about what thoughts you allowed it to, to, to plant themselves in your mind. Cause people will plant that in your mind. Like, Oh, that, you know, this is what your minimum payment is. This is how much you can make. And you're like, oh, this is how much I will make. You're like this little zombie that's like, you know, you you ex- once you accept that into your reality, it becomes your reality because you're like, OK, this is going to take me eight years and I don't like this. The fact that the the call to action for me is I don't like this. And then the next thing is I'm going to change this. I'm going to do something different, not just I don't like this and I'm just going to not like my life. You know, that's that's to me, that's a call to action to to make some type of. Drastic change, you know.
0: Yeah, because no one else is going to change it for you. There's no yeah. magical thing that's going to um, get you to not be in some crazy amount of debt. I, I think there's this whole concept right now that maybe there will be some sort of relief uh, to the population um, regarding student debt. Um, and I don't want to like burst anyone's bubble on this one, but if they do that, like inflation's a thing. Uh, so yeah. like post out of debt, you're going to be kind of in a meh situation because your degree is kind of worth less and like, well, inflation's bad overall, but I want to get into yeah. that. I mean, like at, <laughs> I, I'm not waiting for the government to to bail me out if I'm in that situation. So, um, I really think what you're saying, uh, resounds in another aspect that I wanted to get into, which is like the fact of being debt free is exactly what it is. It's pretty freeing and it gives you a lot of options.
1: Exactly. I just, uh, for example, on the options uh, thing, like I, I was just offered a job in Texas, you know, and I can con- I can I can consider, you know, taking a lot less income if, it, if the is there, you know, it was, it was a job with um, with the A-Med Center School, which is Army Medicine uh, Center School down there. And it's like, if I take that, I'm going to be able to progress way better through my uh, army career. So even if I'm making less money down there, maybe the opportunity is there. Maybe the opportunity is there to, you know, get real estate make you know. And the other thing is like, if I don't have this debt, maybe I can float, you know, my house payment while I rent rent this out for a little bit, just because I have that extra income freed up. Mm-hmm. It's like your options, you know, for, for lateral movement and upward mobility just get better. As you move up, it gets easier to move up. It's kind of, you know, yeah, like uh, compounding.
0: It's like compound interest. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a really good point because uh, I think a lot of people go to college for the right reasons. You know, they're, they're going for the movement. They're going for the like, like mm-hmm. you said, lateral upwards movement from, you know, the basic no um, college education income jobs. But then there's that next level of having to understand that if you're in the debt you really don't have mobility because like you're saying if you can manage to float rent out there and the payments on your house where you are now that's a situation that nobody and I repeat, nobody no matter how much they're making um well okay that was that was too much but if you're making a fair amount of money and you're still in debt like it's it's fairly obvious that you would not be able to float what casey theoretically could
1: yeah exactly be, uh, and what i'm referring to there is uh the like because I have a VA loan on this house, there would potentially be a negative cash flow if I would rent it out today. Yeah. Maybe one, two hundred dollars. But I can float that for a little bit until I pay the house down and get a better interest rate in this interest rate environment. But, you know, before I wouldn't even think about that. If I would have just decided it's gonna take me ten years to pay off this debt, I would still have, you know, 85 K in debt. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to even think about considering that opportunity. Yeah.
0: And it, it could lead to other opportunities that he's not even being presented with now, just because of, of what's happening. And I think another opportunity that you're kind of pursuing, which I wanted to get into a little bit is, um, actually what content you create and how you're trying to like grow your own brand there. And I just wanted to hear, um, a little bit about, um, how you got started into like actually making content and, uh, your passion behind it and everything like that.
1: Okay. Yeah. So. I guess how i how I got started making content was uh my first video was was like ten years ago, and it was uh this this video is Romeo and Juliet final and it was it was basically just this this thing that we had to do for english class in and uh ninth grade, which now I think about it, it's more than ten years ago it was like fourteen years ago um and uh they just recently gave me a copyright strike on that too <laughs> so the music that was in I was like what the heck they just they're gonna <laughs> anyways that that was pretty random I was like, okay like that videos sucks. But anyways, (laughs) so um, yeah, it got started then. And then like after that, I I always wanted to do YouTube. um, And I would tell my friends like, hey, do you guys want to like make a YouTube video? Um, And, you know, nobody ever wanted to do it. So I just I couldn't figure out like where where was that avenue for me to like make YouTube videos. And I I just like throughout my life, I would always ask people like, hey, do you want to make YouTube videos? And I was waiting for somebody to either give me permission or do them with me. And eventually, you know, like running into all those finance YouTubers and getting so interested in the space, I was like, you know what? These people don't have most, you know, many of them don't actually have a camera person. They don't have, you know, somebody making videos with them. It's not skits. It's literally just them talking to a camera. So I was like, I'm I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm mostly being scared to start this YouTube channel. Like this is, this is fear. This is a fear-based decision to not start the YouTube channel. So I went Got in front of the camera, made the worst video that you'll ever see. If you want to go to my Instagram, I made sure to not delete it because I don't ever want to forget how afraid I was on camera. Uh, um, yeah. It's like a video called, what did What did you get from college? And it's like this this stupid joke of like, you know, I, I just, uh, I basically go on in a suit and it's supposed to look like kind of serious. And then it's just a video, of, like afterwards, it's like me partying or something like that. <laughs> it's just like a video of me partying. Like, yeah, so that's what I got from college. And it's, it's just, it's just this terrible video. Um, so anyways, that's, I'm not sure if I just answered the question. I just rambled a lot, like an old man.
0: (laughs) You're good. Um, I think all of us have an interesting story regarding how we got into content creation. Like I, I've gone through many channels. I mean, like my old channel, uh, all the videos are unlisted because I don't really want people to see those, uh, until, (laughs) but, um, like I, I made really cringy vlogs. Like I'm talking, I'm, t- I'm trying to think of an example of cringy vlogs. Uh, I don't want to reference myself to anyone. That's too bad. So I, let's just say it was cringy. I was I a was, uh, junior in high school. Um, I would vlog about just the most random things. that really didn't have any sort of cohesion or anything like yeah. that video games. And uh, definitely the first couple videos we make are definitely worse than the best videos we make now. So don't feel like you're uh, too far um, outside of everyone else there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, one, one one oh yep, you go, you go, you go. I was gonna say uh, one thing about that is that um, I forget. I forget what the guy's name is. Uh, African American guy has like braids, um, and he's he's all about like content strategy or something like that. I forget what his name is. Uh, Roberto but, Blake. Uh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Roberto Blake. Yeah. He he said I, I love one of his videos where he's like, "Your first hundred videos are just gonna suck straight out." and uh it's funny it's been funny watching that watching that the video count go up cuz right now i'm making my 60th video and i'm starting to get to the point where i'm like i kind of like these videos now you know whereas like video 10 15 20 i was just like am i really going to put this out like who's going to actually like this you know and it wasn't even just like me being self-conscious it was like no this video actually sucks <laughs> so like but but he's like you have to put those out So you have to go through those growing pains, you know, like think about people like LeBron, like they, they didn't, LeBron didn't just show up, you know, to the NBA draft, you know, this dude was, you know, 16, 16 years of just basketball. That's how he showed up to the draft, you know? Yeah. and there's
0: a reason he was the number one pick and the reason he's doing well at the NBA right now. Uh, I guess basketball question, since you decided to bring it up, have you watched the last dance?
1: Save the last dance?
0: No. Have you watched the last dance? the documentary with with uh Jordan.
1: Oh no, no, I have not. I think he says save the last dance. i was like <laughs> it's not a basketball question, bro. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um it's just I'm always curious. I think it's great. If you if you get the chance to you you need to watch it. It's uh it's top tier. I'm from I'm from Chicago, so that that kind of that's that's something I'm pretty passionate about the, you know, the LeBron versus uh MJ debate. <laughs> <laughs> Going uh, further with you talking about how like your first couple of videos sucked. Um, I made a video like a week and a half ago that was like, I was like, yeah, everything needs to change. And, um, even like as you're going through the process of making videos, I totally understand what you're saying with like, I like this video, like when you're getting more into it, cause I have a decent backlog of videos now. Cause I'm making like three videos a week for the past like seven, eight weeks. And I remember, um, I, I, I reached the realization a couple of weeks ago of like I'm making the same video over and over again. Like I didn't have B roll. I'm just talking to a camera. Like somebody tell this guy, he's just talking to a camera. It's really boring. So you definitely go through a lot of growing pains. And like I edited a video that um the one that's going to come out on Sunday cause this comes out on Wednesday and I was editing. I was like, Oh, this is like fun. You know, I don't know if you, you had an experience in a shift of like you enjoy editing your videos more now because you have like, I don't know, more inspiration towards them and they're like better videos. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's like you start to build up a a toolkit of, of, uh, you know, things that, that, uh, you, you tend to do in, in your editing of, of your videos. And, um, one thing that I would say for new content creators is that it can kind of hurt those that first time you get, you know, a few hate comments or whatever, but I, I encourage people to, um, really listen to those people because Sometimes they're just, you know, they're just trolls on the internet, but other times it's like, are they right? You know, are my videos boring? Are my videos uninformative? You know, do I, do I keep on like, am I blinking too much? Was was one of them that I got? It's like, dude, you're blinking too much. And I was like, okay, well, um, that's probably because I'm looking, I had like this ring light and the camera was right there. So I was like, I was like, (laughs) I couldn't see anything. So it's like, okay, you are blinking too much. So take the light, put it off to the side, and then, you know, it's less so. Um, so you got to listen to those people, even, even if it, like, hurts you, it hurts your little feelings, you know. <laughs> you got to listen gotta, to those people.
0: You got to play to the strengths of what you have, but also go along with the crowd a little bit. I was totally yeah, opposite, sure. actually, in the first couple of videos. Like, I didn't blink in my first two videos because yeah. I would cut every single time. I'd like go to the next like three sentence spiel and I didn't have a light. Well, I had a light directly in my face, but I was purposely like. Yeah, my eyes wide open. And that definitely was a a closing experience for me because I I realized I need to start looking off away from the camera because I was told basically like you're giving me like flight or flight right now, Dimitri, because you're just just (laughs) staring at the camera the entire time. And I was like, thank you for that feedback. I appreciate this. I appreciate that sort of. There There's a level of support and uh, positive feedback, but I, I know what you mean by trolls, too. Yeah. At a, um. Uh, you know, what? at this point, I don't think he's watching my videos anymore. I made a video, I think, called Three Habits That Are Keeping You Poor. Okay. It's got the most views on my channel. That's not my channel trailer. So, like, it hit. It It hit mm-hmm. regarding, like, YouTube search and all that kind of stuff. And I immediately say in the video, like, I'm not trying to say you're poor. I'm just saying these are the three habits that have the propensity to, like, stop you from accumulating wealth. So it was just, the, it was like a semi-clickbitty title. But those yeah. sometimes are what you need to make. Somebody just comments, what a tool. And the next thing I know, yep. I got eight dislikes. And then the next video, the second it drops, has eight dislikes. And then the next video has eight dislikes the second it drops. And then eventually he stopped like three videos ago. Cause I think YouTube eventually realizes that you're doing that and it actually stops because one video got eight dislikes and then immediately went back to zero. And I'm like, he didn't undo that. Like YouTube figured it out. So there are controls on the internet for people who are going to make videos. Like don't feel like just cause somebody disliked your video eight times. Like at the, in the moment I was like kind of sad about it. I was like, man, somebody really hates me or something. Like I must've really, yeah. <laughs> really angered somebody. But then I was like, well, I didn't really say anything to anger anybody. If someone's going to get that bent out of shape about a, about a title or a thumbnail, yeah. then it's probably more their problem than mine. Cause that's not my intention. And I think intention is always important. And I'm sure you making your content, your intentions to try to help people uh, above all else. So
1: yeah, there, there's a, like you're saying like, uh, like You're saying that you're like somebody really hates me, like that sucks. But when you what you come to find, uh, find out is that um, somebody really hates themselves, you oh, know, yeah. like there was this guy who would come on every video that I that I would post, and he would either make some su- fun of something on my face or he would like, make fun of my hair, He'd be like, Oh, look at your hair, blah blah blah, you know, look at your shirt, like, Uh, why, who's listening to this guy? This guy's an idiot, and then like eventually like that guy, like I talked to him for a while and then he was like reasonable for a while. And then he just like went back to trolling. And I was like, another thing is just, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta use your block button because this man just wouldn't, he just, he was relentless. I was like, all right, dude, like you never had anything actually of value to say. It's like, there's, there's nothing like, you know, like if, if somebody came on once and was like, Hey, you should cut your hair before your videos. I'd be like, ah, okay, that's one opinion, (laughs) whatever. Um, but then like for somebody to just come on and just be like, just saying wild stuff that has nothing to do with, you know, the video has nothing to do with anything. Just like trying, trying to be insulting about, you know, something that I said in the video, like you're literally just constantly trying to just be negative. It's like, all right, well, clearly you have some issues of your own, so you can, uh, go, go resolve those in, in the block section. of the video. <laughs> so there's always uh, one dislike as soon as my video posts. And I'm pretty sure it's that guy. Cause he can't comment. So
0: that's fair. That's fair. Uh
1: He he's still he still enjoys my content though, so I, you know, shout out to him if he's still searching my name up and stuff. So.
0: Yeah, I do want to thank the person <laughs> who dropped the eight dislikes I guess from back in the day cuz uh dislikes are uh considered the same as likes by the YouTube algorithm, so um
1: Really? <laughs> yeah, so it's
0: not it's not a negative thing I found out. Oh, just
1: engagement. It's
0: just, yeah, it's just social proof um, being negative, not any The engagement's actually positive. So thanks. Um, moving on from that, I do want to talk to you a little bit about um, your thoughts on uh, living a simple life. Uh, I think in my channel, I've started to talk more about minimalism more. And from what I can tell, and I saw something really cool on your Instagram um, about you uh, live, starting to live more of a simple life in
1: uh, a wardrobe style way. So I just want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so I basically noticed that I don't I don't really care what like what I wear in general and uh the way the thing that prompted this whole like reduction of of my wardrobe and it's going to expand into everything else in my life as well was um I'm 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 probably, you know, at some point I'm going to be sent off somewhere um you know for the military and I thought to myself, you know, how much of this stuff that I own can I actually take and it wasn't even that thought. It was more like I'm going to be there for nine months, and some of my stuff is going to be here for nine months. Yeah. And in, in addition to that, I I want to um I, I want to rent this place if I'm gone for nine months because I don't want to just float the mortgage for nine months. So I was like, some of this stuff is just going to be here, and I'm not going to miss it. So why should I even own it in the first place? So that was that was really what what you know prompted that reduction. I was like, if I'm not going to take it with me on a deployment, then obviously I don't care about it. If I can, if I can have it gone for nine months and not miss it, then I, it doesn't need to be in my life. So that I feel like just that simplification, it kind of can streamline, you know, your life as far as, uh, yeah, just like less, less mental clutter. So that's, that was that decision. And next, next is my garage. There's like a microwave in there. There's like a bunch of stuff that, you know, and then there's a bunch of army stuff that I wish I could get rid of, but you know, that's <laughs> can't do that. <laughs>
0: How many uh what's the word for clothes that you wear together? Outfit. Uh how many outfits do you have now
1: then? So I basically put a cap on on what type what articles of clothing I could have. So oh, I have okay. I have five workout shirts. I have five just like T shirts for wearing out. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to throw away my polos, so I I I still have like most of those. There's like five of them. Um I've got like Five like sweaters. It's pretty much it's pretty much five, except for things that were, you know, like I didn't throw away my underwear for the most part. Like I, I threw away some of them that were just like I'm never gonna wear these. <laughs> yeah. Um and the and my socks. So my socks, I think I've I think I've got I've got seven military socks and seven, you know, civilian socks. And, and that's how and that's like how we pack our bags when we leave. So I was like, I'm just gonna get it to the point where I could pack this bag and you know we always have our our numbers that we're supposed to hit when we're going on like either a mission or we're going, you know, deploying, whatever. I was like, I'm, I'm going to make my life like that. And then it's just going to be a lot more simple, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm getting to the point where a lot of the drawers that I have are like overflowed with stuff that I don't even wear anymore. And I'm starting to get irritated by it. So I'm definitely thinking of like, I've made the joke multiple times of like, I'm going to wear the same uh, exact shirt in all my videos. And I'm just going to like 10 of them, uh, like my favorite YouTuber, Matt Diavella, But the more I'm thinking about it, like I do like to change up the look of it mildly. So I definitely like the idea of like five of something. So I've thought about that a lot. Like I'm only going to have like these two pair of jeans, these two pair of like cargo shorts. Cause those are the only things I wear. Like if it's, if it's nice out, I'm going to wear like cargo or golf shorts. If I, it's not, I'm going to wear jeans. And then I'm just going to have the same shirts for like that entire, you know what I'm saying? I, like for the summer or winter, I'll have a couple long couple short sleeves and that's, that's kind of it. Cause th- the overflowing of drawers, it's stressful. I don't know about you, but when you have like a drawer that just filled with stuff and you're like, this is all in the same category, but I don't wear any of this.
1: Yeah, exactly. It feels like you it literally feels like garbage. Like you're, you're sifting through garbage to yeah. like get to your stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though it's usable stuff, it's still in your mind, it's garbage because you don't, you don't use it.
0: And and somebody definitely could, and you can donate it, and somebody would really appreciate it. But you're sitting yeah, there exactly. with the excess clothing like I don't want it, and somebody could be using it. So, I uh, I appreciate that a lot. Living in this sort of simple life, I definitely want to try to do that going forward a little more. I also want to talk to you a little about uh, a little bit about how you think that sort of little path of just having the outfit leads to like a little path during your like daily routine and that sort of thing.
1: Um, so I, I would say that, you know, like, like we were going over earlier with the whole, like two months and five, two, two years and five months thing. Like it was super easy for me to get there because I started to basically, you know, and this is going to sound boring to some people. I started to walk the exact same path through every week, you know, and I would wake up, I would, you know, I knew or yeah, one one more thing to add to that. I had I had this whiteboard on on the uh, on my wall okay. that was like, this is what I do in the morning, and then I had a schedule of like what I do every day. So I would follow it every day, and like that, like I said, that's going to sound super boring, extreme to people, but it works. So I, you know, I'd wake up, I'd go, you know, brush my teeth, floss, whatever. I'd go get my vitamins, which was great. Um, even little things like this is this is going to be like maybe TMI for some people, but like I always had like problems with, with my feet or athlete's feet. And and mm-hmm. when I put it on that board to like, hey, spray your feet every day. And then, you know, it was almost like magic. Like I looked down three, four months later, and the athlete's foot is gone, you know, and it like, I was unconsciously doing this, like every day, just religiously doing it, doing it, doing it. And it's like, okay, and then there's exercise, you know, put into there. And it's like, I kind of unconsciously start going through this life, and a lot of people go through life unconsciously, but they're not doing anything good. But me, yeah. when I was doing those good things, it's like I wake up four months later, and it's like, whoa, like whoa, I'm like I'm more muscular now, you know, just because I've just been following the same path over and over and over. Um, so that I, I think I just answered the question. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, you did.
0: Um, I think a lot of it has to do with habit building, and you definitely did a good job of like structuring the habit building, which maybe a lot of people don't do. I. Uh, the video that hopefully you guys saw on Sunday was about how like I block schedule my whole so my I block schedule my whole life like wake up, prepare for bed in bed, and everything in between when I'm gonna eat when I'm gonna eat breakfast lunch dinner when I'm gonna work on stuff when I'm not gonna work on stuff when I'm gonna hang out with my family like I just straight up schedule everything and I also have like habit tracking as well like when I take my supplements when I brush my teeth and when I started doing that I realized I'm like man I just do this stuff more yeah there's a complete different um, thing in your mindset when I told myself before, like, yeah, I'll take my supplements about five times a week, but it was really like, I don't know, three or four or six or yeah. And also when you're totally right. You're totally right. I, I never would have a structured time of this is what I'm doing it. But when I made a checklist about it immediately five to seven times a week, it was done. Yeah. And it is a little boring at, at times, uh, to think about it like that, but doing it is really not that bad. It's, it's just like, it just becomes a part of your life. And then you never have to worry about, okay, when am I going to work on this? When am I going to take my supplements? Because you don't ever want to get yourself in a position where you're struggling to find the time to do the things that you have to do. Like, I'm sure if you're up at like 11 PM after a crazy day, you're not going to like go and look at your feet and be like, all right, I'm going to fix this athlete's foot now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So one, one thing that I like to tell the people on the, on the whole idea of scheduling and like space time, cause I, I don't know. I, I really like space time. Mm-hmm. I'm still discovering that mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but um it's like the, one of my favorite statements or questions to ask people is like, what if I just told you that um, I'm going to meet you in times square? Like, okay. Yeah. where
0: <laughs> Yeah. Where there's a lot of people there.
1: <laughs> like I know where times square is, but like, Are you going to meet me there like right now or in in five years? You know, you got to to meet with a goal or to meet with a person or to meet with anything. You have to be in the same space and the same time, you know, which is kind of like sci-fi-ish if you really, really go there. But, you know, if there's no time assigned to what you're going to do, then your goal doesn't exist without being somewhere in space and somewhere in time, you know. So like that, I really like that question or that statement, I guess, of like, yeah, what if I, what if I just said I was gonna meet you in Times Square? You'd be like, okay. You you yeah, literally when, just didn't where, tell me like, anything. When? What part?
0: Yeah. How long. Are you
1: though? <laughs> <laughs> Should I go now? <laughs> uh,
0: you know, what? have you been to New York?
1: I have not. That's that's on the list. That's on the list. But yeah. it's not on. It's not in time. See. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's why it hasn't happened. <laughs> it hasn't it been scheduled. Sense.
0: That makes a lot of sense. It is a little sci-fi when you think about space-time, I guess. Being in this specific spot, this specific time, specific moment, specific day. All right, I don't want to get too creeped out by myself. Um, (laughs) Moving forward with the last topic, I do want to ask a little bit about um, how you've experienced this crazy um, beer thing uh, because you're working in the medical field. You're testing um, for the word and that I won't say, and I'm just curious how that's really impacted your life and your experience about it.
1: So, um, being, being the person who, who's, uh, doing the testing, I think that it gives me a little bit of a, I guess a different perspective. Cause I can actually see how many tests are coming in the door. I can actually see how many tests are, you know, going positive, uh, percentage wise, you know, and I can actually see you know, instead of just seeing like whatever's on the news, I can actually see, you know, the patient population and what the hospitals look like. People are like, oh, the hospitals are empty. Like personally, our hospital is is pretty empty just because we're not really, well, we are now, but for the most part during the whole situation, we weren't seeing patients for just like normal stuff. We were, it was like, either you have, either you have the disease or you're staying home. You know, you're not getting, you're not getting, you know a tummy tuck. <laughs> you're not, <laughs> you know, you're not getting, you know, like your, your prescription refilled. We're sending that to you. You're staying home. Exactly. Um, so yeah, the the hospitals were empty, but I think that people took that out of context because they were, the reason why the hospitals were, were empty is because they told everyone that's not, that didn't have the disease to go home. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I guess that was, that was more so a, up in Seattle, but, um, yeah. I, and I, the other different perspective I had on it is that a lot of people thought it was either a hoax or, you know, whatever, but when you can actually see people, you know, dying and you see like the, the nurses and you see like the actual you're in the middle of the situation and somebody's like saying something about like 5g and you're like, you want to, you how about let's have like a, a, bring your, uh, idiot friend to work day because <laughs> people are literally dying at my place of business and you're on the internet being an idiot. So yeah, let's, let's come on in and see what the real story is. Yeah. That's
0: really, that's a good, uh, I'm glad you have that insight for it because right now things are crazy and I'm sure a lot of people acknowledge that and they know people are passing away and everything. But, um, I was I was glad to hear that you um, had the experience. And I, I've wanted to talk to people who have been, you know, like in the throes of everything going on. And I definitely know that the context of like people not being in the hospitals is definitely taken out of context completely. Because all like outpatient um, surgeries and all that kind of stuff was just straight up just got rid of. Um, and inpatient stuff for a lot of the cases is not back yet i know like outpatient came back his illinois is kind of slowly getting back into things but just because these certain parts of the hospitals aren't back open like there's no that doesn't mean that the entirety of the system um is just gone and it doesn't mean that the beer thing isn't going on just because some of the hospitals that aren't tailored towards the exact thing you're claiming it's empty for you know what i'm saying like just because one thing's happening doesn't mean the other thing's not happening so It's frustrating to hear um have you been uh finding yourself with a lot more time though
1: um i would i would say so but i i tend to feel my time and um just because for me there's such a strong connection between the way i use my time and my life outcomes um one one thing that i think we talked about on the phone was you know just building up that that mental toughness and uh you know you using your time for something that's, that's out in the future. Like, uh, the first time that I I was able to go to nationals, uh, as a, you know, track and field athlete, when I was, when I was like nine years old, you know, mm-hmm. just persevering, you know, grinding, grinding something out every day. And then I didn't know what the heck we were doing. Uh, when I was younger, I was just like, why are we running so hard? <laughs> this This sucks. <laughs> and then, you know, going, going, you know, four months later and we're, we're in this huge stadium down in Miami. And I'm like, "Whoa, all these people are here to see us run and and like this is crazy, you know, being on the biggest stage, and I was like, "Okay, so this was the reward, like you know That's making that time it. that connection between like, okay, I worked hard, it did suck, but there there was a reward, and throughout my life, just getting all those you know making that connection multiple times in multiple ways in different avenues, you know whether it be grades or whether it was sports. Or whatever just continuously just making that connection or whether it be you know when my parents were making me work for money and then i get you know whatever thing i wanted Uh, so i yeah i've always connected my my time to rewards so i don't i don't waste it because i want i want stuff i want rewards so like you know i don't i tend to not waste it because i have made that connection
0: that's fair I I totally get where you are coming from here. Uh, I'd say one thing I would want and uh, that I, you know what, you reminded me when we got on the Zoom call and I I want like QC35s or something. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of wanting things, like I just keep looking up during the Zoom call and I'm like, man, I really want like some nice pair of Bluetooth headphones and you got to work for it. And with the way we both kind of think about money, I'm sure it's hard for you to like justify just buying something without working for it. So Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely appreciate, um, the thought behind putting your time to good use. Uh, with that being said, guys, that's all the topics I have for the video. Um, I want to give you the floor for a second, if you want to say anything and we'll wrap this up.
1: All right. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on. Um, I guess not, not too much to say. I, I think that, uh, we had a good talk here and, um, Yeah, overall, I I would just encourage people that with all this crazy stuff that's going on, to um, this is a great time to learn about the history of the context of you know what's going on. Specifically, Um, two things that I would encourage people to look into is for one, uh, things that happened that caused and uh, you know helped people through the Great Depression because I don't want to call it a second Great Depression, but Mm-hmm. With the looting and with the you know the economic slowdown, it's not looking like it's too far fetched. So mm-hmm. I would encourage people to to look into stuff like that. And additionally, it looks like we're about to go into some social unrest uh, mm-hmm. as we tape this on. I believe this is the thirty first. Yeah, I would encourage people to uh, look into system. You know the the systems of oppression, so that you can have an accurate knowledge of what people are talking about, an accurate knowledge of, you know, people want to evoke people like Dr. King, have an accurate knowledge of things that Dr. King said, have an accurate knowledge of before you just go open your mouth, because you're going to, you're going to end up with your foot in your mouth if you don't really study up on the history. So that's, that's what I would have to say in closing.
0: Well, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, There is a lot of stuff, crazy stuff going on right now, and I further Casey's point of do your research, know what you're talking about, and then talk about it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. And this was a great talk. So with that being said, I will see you guys in the next one.